This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this hot summer edition of the Disaster Girls podcast. It is me, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we are here today back with another animal disaster, which watching this, it felt like it was reminded, oh gosh, I feel like it's been a while since we dabbled in the animal kingdom. I think our last go was Gary Busey and a lion or a tiger. I think so. Well, it no, it was after that. It was Rogue with Megan Fox. Oh, that was God. that was, was our last go. After? Yeah, well, a blessed yeah. time. Yeah, because we saw because we watched we watched Man Eater and then we watched Rogue and oh. we were like, wow, Rogue is a much better execution of this genre. You're exactly yeah. right. You're exactly right. And um, yeah. you know, which bitch is gonna kill you? Still remains one of the great line readings of this podcast. But today it is not uh, lions or tigers. It is. Snake bears, nor bears, and oh my, there ha- are a to... lot of a lot of snakes. So many snakes. Specifically, that the Pacific Northwest is unexpectedly filthy with snakes. Uh huh. In the movie Vipers, aptly titled Vipers, starring a bunch of horned vipers and Tara Reid. Yeah. In a pre-Sharknado sort of situation where she yep. was not playing it. She's playing it straight, guys. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is one of the last one of the last Tara Reid unironic performances, I think. And it the the funniest thing to me about the like, it, the, you know, play it straight. But the funniest thing, just the little itty bitty teeny tiny ponytail she had in this movie. Just the she had the tiny ponytail. She had in yep. this movie. It was usually under a hat, and then when that hat came off, you're like, "What is that itsy bitsy, like, like braces rubber band sized ponytail on the back of your head?" She had a little hair nub. It was a nub. It was nothing more than a nub. And mm-hmm. in this, she she runs like a garden store. Is that what it is? Like, yeah, yeah. She runs like a nursery. That well, sh- it not really running it it's going out of business when we meet her yeah yeah and but yes she is technically running a nursery um and having a going out of business plant sale that has you know is going about as well as one might expect from (laughs) a very small island in the pacific northwest where apparently it has like 15 people live on it yeah and i love the so in vipers we follow a uh we open on uh an experiment animal experiment gone awry where vipers are being juiced up horned vipers are being juiced up because uh to to uh speed up their venom production because their venom is being used in like revolutionary treatments like cures for cancer and we open on like some corporate thug fully killing a team of scientists because the scientists think that they're going to euthanize all these snakes because the experiment's gone way out of control. When it turns out, Corporate Thug is there to take a few of those snakes because that company definitely wants to like keep weaponizing and figuring out like new gain of function 
uh, research options for these vipers. But instead, in the melee, glass gets shot on the viper case, all the snakes get out, and they immediately start ripping people to shreds. We get so much snake brutality in this movie, and I was very pleased that they did not shortchange us in that way. No, they front-loaded this movie really well with a lot of of snake rage that I appreciated. Like, I was grateful. There was so much. I mean, like, for starters, we get to see, we get a good look at them right off the bat, which is unusual for these movies. Most of the time, we don't get to really see see it. Yeah. And in this case, we got to see average-sized snakes. They're just some snakes behind glass, but Mm -hmm. they're real aggressive. And then we find out that they're they're basically the raptors from Jurassic Park. That is and I was like, cool. actually I exactly correct. Yes. Yeah. Like that it's not just that they're snakes, but they're snakes who hunt in packs and they're strategic and they like human flesh. And that's what I like from my bioengineered snakes. <laughs> yes. From our from our leveled up boss snakes. And mm-hmm. so then we open on that, and then we go to a college where Who's that? Corbin Burnson? He like comes in and tells the professor like, oh shit, I need your help. Like, uh, we're running Oh, I think that that's like, I don't think it's a college. I think that's supposed to be like a corporate like seminar. Oh, okay. It's like supposed to be an investor's conference. Like, look at the revolutionary things we're doing with cancer. With cancer. And we're curing people. And Mm -hmm. we're doing it with snake venom. But what she doesn't, what lady scientist doesn't know is that these escalated forms of research have been happening. So Corbin Burnson comes in and he's like, uh, FYI, I need your help because we've been doing all these things we haven't told you, and now you need to help us stop them. And then we go to our third opening of this movie, which is we follow a doctor and service veteran as he seems to be like making his first foray into life on this Pacific Northwest Island, where he's going to take over the medical practice of the father of one of his friends who was killed in war. And it is there, once we meet our soldier man, our veteran, and um, the doctor, that we start meeting the townsfolk, and the snakes begin to descend on the populace. Yeah, we start getting some snake vengeance. And that, you know, Jordan, that brings us into our first issue for the reality index. Mm. Reality index-wise, and I don't know if this was just me, but did you also think for most of the movie that the subtext of it was that Doc Silverton's son, Joey... And main character, hero, Cal, were in a very, very serious relationship yes. in the army. Okay, yes. thank you. I was like, maybe I'm imagining it. But then like, like at one, when we first meet him, uh-huh. one of the guys, he's like, I got to go see Doc Silverton. And then one of the, and one of the guys says to somebody else, like says to the, the sheriff, the town sheriff, Doc Silverton, you don't think he definitely. And I was like, oh, they're asking if he dated Joey, the son of, like, that's the only explanation yeah. here. That's what the, I thought. Yeah, it it's it feels very much like it's playing into one of my favorite romance tropes, which is that Tara Reed had dated Joey. Yes, and and, and, then, and by because like this is a town where everybody's known each other their entire lives. That's my favorite yeah. thing about this movie. Actually, is yeah. the multiple times that they name check. Like you've been like this since we were kids, so yeah. we understand how deep these bonds go. And, and they everyone all dated each other. They've all dated each other, and they seem to all hate Tara Reed because yeah. they blame her for Joey going off to war because she wouldn't marry him but then it's like so like you learn that she's like almost a kind of pariah because she they she shoulders this blame for him making the choice to enlist and then he died he died in battle and but then like when you find out joey and tara were a thing it's like 
oh, babe, don't worry. He went off to the army and found himself a nice boyfriend. Yeah, no, he found the love of his life. Yeah, he was and, fine. Yeah, it was okay. And then Tara and Cal, the the main character, bond and find love together Yeah, af- over the fact that they both love the same man. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm so glad that wasn't just because I was like, maybe I am bringing way too much slash fic into this. Maybe no. I'm imagining. There's a moment where very- there's a moment where she's like, I can't believe, like I like I can't believe, like he left and I didn't tell him I loved him and like he joined the army because of me and I wanted to, like I'm like it, there's this pause where Cal looks at her and I just wanted him to fill the silence and be like. We, but it's okay because he loved me. Like, like, don't worry. Uh, we found each other and we had our romance. So don't, don't you worry, kitten. Like, it, all yeah. I that, mean, that part of it. Uh, he, he does say at one point when Maggie is having her meltdown because both of her parents are dead. Yeah, and he's like, Maggie she's right. An epically awful disaster movie. Terrible teenager. disaster team. Wow. But he says she's right, Maggie. We all have people we've lost, and yeah. it was like right after. Tara Reid had talked about how she loved Joey and he died and then he like gives a meaningful look and yeah. then it's like oh okay so we're both talking about loving Joey and him dying and he had Cal, Cal also had kind of like a he he was kind of odd like they're like not in like a queer people are strange but just like a he wasn't which one of these is not like the others there was a little bit of like outsiderness about Cal that was like oh you're the new queer guy in town like you're the new bisexual guy in this tiny community yeah and like he just like the he was played with such idiosyncrasy by the actor it was like oh yeah like you're definitely a queer character in this he definitely felt very queer coded which yeah. was unexpected in this particular film um, but everything about him, although all of the one problem I did have was that for me, I had a very hard time initially tracking which guy was which because they all kind of had that same like they did a blonde, little bit. They all had the same like blonde thumb look. Yeah. And like the this yeah. part- particular kind of like spike of the hair. Yeah. That was popular at that time. Yeah, it was very it, it, it was that very like pomaded hair thing. Um, but I did I did also like that, like he because there was that undercurrent of is Cal, then it really brought something nice to putting him into a like to the putting him into the situation that he shouldn't be in otherwise. Yeah, like <laughs> like he he travels all the way there to bring Doc McStuffins his um, <laughs> to bring him like Joey's letters, and then also while he's there, Doc's like, "Do you want to take over the practice?" Which seems like a big step for somebody who's just like the war buddy of your son. Yeah, it's like it, it's a. It was like, wow, is this the first time this has been brought up? Because this is a big moment. Yeah, but so so yeah, so there at least in this case, like it made more sense as opposed to why would you travel all the way to middle of nowhere Pacific Northwest Island yeah. to give this random man his son's letters back? And the doctor is played by Don S. Davis, who is just ideal in the role. Yes. Just yes. perfect. I gotta say, like, and the the dudes were not great. The 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 three expendable men, yeah. were not great casting. Uh uh-uh. uh But there was some really spot on casting with this one. I like, did I was, like Cal. I did like yeah. Jonathan. Is it Scarf Cal- Scarfe? I don't know, but he was definitely not as smarmy as we often get with these disaster heroes. Yeah, totally. There wasn't anything like smug about Cal. No. No, there was nothing smug about him. It went a little into that like absurdism of being the super 
soldier toward the end. But, yeah, yeah. But that was fine. Like, okay, that's whatever. He, he's going to have a flamethrower. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I did love the, um, I don't know what this is, like, if this is based in some sort of um, scientific tested means of snake deterrence, but I did oh, like the yeah. deployment of the fire extinguisher over and over again for a while there to battle back the snake population. Yeah, and so they didn't have to keep spending money on the CGI. I thought that was genius. Yeah, I thought it was a really good move. Yeah, that way you like they could have a couple rubber snakes if they needed the silhouette, but otherwise you just didn't even have to deal with it. We just saw a bunch of, you know, clouds from where we thought that the snakes might be. Yeah, and like, yeah, that feels like a really disruptive thing to do to something. So I imagine it would flee if you sprayed it with a fire extinguisher. Like, that seems right. Sure, I, I'll go with it. Like, there was no, yeah. que- I did not, I did not question at all whether no. or not that would work. I just assumed no. like, yeah, that Sure, you know, you're disrupting the temperatures of things, maybe. Yeah, I don't know maybe. how fire extinguishers work. <clears throat> you're spraying spraying a bunch of stuff everywhere. A thing that felt very real to me about this movie is that the de- the the teenage girl, her parents are like they're either divorcing or they're separated on their way to divorce because dad is fucking uh, a local woman and mom is fucking like the sheriff. And so, like, they've already found new people. They seem to hate each other. And uh, this dad just doesn't give a shit about his daughter. Oh, like, there God. are the multiple times that this movie takes the chance for him to be like, I mean, I love my kid, but like, she's not fucking up my life. Like, it is, he's like, he's got the teen in the car and he's like, don't worry, sweetie. Like, because their parents found her like smoking weed. She's like, don't don't worry, sweetie. Like, be good for your mom. And like, when you're with me, you won't be grounded. So he's like playing asshole, oh. good cop, dad. And then shitty when he's- undermining of the mom, by oh, the way. Yeah. Like, as soon as that happened, I was like, fuck you, man. Wait, like, no wonder your daughter has a shitty relationship with the mom because oh, you absolutely yeah. There, you've, yeah. You've offset your guilt by fucking being the cool dad. You exactly. Asshole. He's he is absolutely doing that. And then when his like his new woman comes out and she see like she's walking toward the car smiling and the teenagers like like might get a little crowded in here and she gets out of the car and like runs, which like legit, you don't want to see your dad with his new girlfriend. And the the new girl, like side piece, is like, you know, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should slow down. Like maybe we should we should stop for a while. And the dad says like Listen, I'm going to do right by my kid, but not at the expense of us. And I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. You're like, listen, I'll, I'll look out for my daughter. But like my new girlfriend and me, I'm sorry. I got my priorities in order here, lady. It was amazingly believable to me. I was like, yes, you are a fucking dirt bag. Yeah. It was a very – and then, like, he, instead of chasing after his daughter, he just has sex with his girlfriend. Yes. Very believable. The He and Steven Weber's character from Eve of Destruction could have a whole, oh, like, Oh, yeah. They get drinks together. How, they get yeah. drinks together. It's just, you know, how you can't let your kids, you know, interrupt your life. You got to no, still man. live your life. You got to be who you are, man. You got like, your passions. You've got to have yeah. your passions. So, you know, yeah, having a kid is great, but, like, you can't forget who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let them write on your fucking parade. Show them who's boss. I got a younger woman here. Like, I'm not I'm not going to, like, accommodate my teenage daughter who's probably have a lot of feelings about her parents' divorce and her dad trading in her mom for a younger woman in town. Like, fuck her. She's temperamental. She'll get over it. Yeah. 
look, what's she going to do? Leave the island? Yeah. Apparently, no one leaves the island. Yeah, is what we that learned. doesn't seem to be an option. Yeah, this is it's like an M Night Shyamalan setup where like none of them can ever escape, and they're instead of instead of all of them aging rapidly, they all stay high school emotionally. Yeah, they just they emotionally it's a it's complete arrested development. Yeah, instead of old, it's called like CW. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to CW Island. <laughs> And so, and then, like you know, we get uh, the the kill that sets up the snake invasion of the island is great. There's oh, a, yeah. a too long makeout scene between this like newlywed couple. They're on their honeymoon to this island, and they're like in the car first. They're fooling around, and they go to the the tent, and they're fooling around. And then Not the snake tent, just a random tent, by yeah, the way, just a it random was- tent. Because he's like, "What if we make this our honeymoon suite for tonight?" And I'm like, "That is not your tent. That is very rude." Yeah, just, it sounds like it just wasn't don't, their tent. Don't fuck fucking a stranger's tent, guys. Yeah, like, that's bullshit. That's not polite at all. That, I'm not saying they deserve to be eaten by snakes for that. <laughs> yeah, it's extreme. but I am saying it is really it's inconsiderate. And and then they and like when those snakes show up, it is a bloodbath inside mm-hmm. that tent. It is screaming. It is blood soaked. It is like all right, yeah, the snakes are here, and this movie's fucking kicking into gear. Yeah, we've got snakes, and I was there's a a shocking number of snakes. There is oh yeah, and like you would think, okay, like five snakes, maybe no. I, there's was, so I many snakes. Maybe half dozen snakes in this whole movie. No, we got so many. We got an abundance of snakes, which makes sense for the amount uh-huh. of human they were eating. I was very pleased with that. And I love that, like, because they're snakes, like, we see the blood and we see the carnage. And then people come to, like, like they, um, the doctors show our, are, mm-hmm. or doctor, new doctor to the island, our veteran, he is, like, with a local guy who's going to take him to the doctor's office and, and meet um, Don S. Davis. And they, they see this tent like from the distance and a jeep has its door open they're like what's going on that's kind of weird and they get there and all they find are just empty clothes because the snakes have presumably swallowed these people whole because they're snakes yep left behind the diamond ring yeah i loved i loved the way that they did the snake the snake murders in these i thought it was good and i also appreciate that they didn't do any of the thing that we get a lot of time with these budget we're like we see entrails or, you know, the blood spurts at the camera. Yeah. I thought I was like, no, they did a good job of keeping it just off screen enough that it was kind of horrifying and perfect. Yeah. And it didn't need to be one really like fantastical snake. It was a yeah. bunch of normal snakes that were just angrier. Yeah. They were just more perturbed than normal. Yeah. And more poisonous. We also like we get a kid death in this. Yeah, that's right. We do because a little boy gets attacked at the garden center. He gets bit like yeah. right on the torso. And they like Dr. and Tara Reed, young Dr. and Tara Reed, get him back to the, the medical office. They administer anti-venom. He looks like he's turning a corner, like he's going to be okay. Then like old time doctor, he takes him to the mainland to get like proper hospital care. Kid starts taking a turn and suddenly yeah. the venom is not responding to treatment. Yeah, uh, which was... A, like good, I mean, absolutely unnecessary. Once we realize that actually the snakes don't just bite you; they inhale you. Yeah, um, yeah. So it didn't really like the snake venom wasn't the danger here, but I still liked that we were given you know, like a little bit of a snake danger. Yeah, from the children. Snake danger, a little snake danger. And meanwhile, during this whole thing, the reason that Cal is there is because Maggie, shitty disaster teen, yeah. has dealt with her anger about her parents' divorce by breaking into Tara Reed's greenhouse smoking the weed Tara Reed's been growing yes yes and then of course 
her parents go over and are pissed off. And Tara Reid lays out Maggie's mom. Yeah, like it is like you get you get there. I did. I really like that you get. And this did feel real to like small town. Mm-hmm. You oh, yeah. get all of their baggage in one scene informs everything that's happening. So like, yes, things escalate extremely quickly between Maggie's parents and Nikki because they have hated each other for decades. Yeah. And they are treating each other like they've hated each other for decades. So it makes sense. And so when like, you know, mom of the teen is like, Johnny's, Joey's dead or whoever's dead because of you. And- Tara Reed just hauls off and fucking punches her in the face. And you know she's wanted to do that for years. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that feels great. real. Yeah. That feels real like small town shitty stuff to do. Yeah, I think that it is right on it's right on par and like Tara Reed laying her out with a second without a second thought. Fully, fully believe that this, like, because the mom is so the mom's like, yes, the father sucks, but the mom sucks too. The mom sucks. The mom sucks. And so, and like, she's mad at, and then she's like, to the sheriff is like, oh, I'm not going to drop the charges. I know you have a thing for her. And he's like, I don't. I'm sleeping with you. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, she has a man too. Her husband isn't just like with, her ex isn't just like with a new girl. She is actively dating. They have both moved on. Everyone has moved on. And if they just could leave this island, if any of them could leave this island, it would be healthier for everybody. It really had like the emotional entanglements of the show Dark, where like the longer you watch it, the more you realize everyone's been fucking everyone in this small town for like their entire lives. Yeah. And like there's time travel and it's very confusing. But then they're like the labyrinthine interpersonal plot lines in that show just make it like a wonderful soap opera. And that is like that's like watching Vipers is being dropped in that kind of like, oh, so-and-so had this crush on so-and-so and they never let it go, but then these two got together and they've been together I since mean, they were teenagers. I was going to compare it to if Dawson's Creek, if instead of any of them going to school in Boston, mm-hmm. all of them just went to state school and then went right the fuck back home. Yeah, and then right back home. Yeah, it was yeah. very much, yeah, it was, the environment was very much a Dawson's Creek environment. It was, yeah, it was very, like all of them knew each other from high school and they'd all been sleeping with each other for forever and they all hold each other responsible for their crushes from high school. I mean, the, she said, flat out says, Maggie's mom straight up says to Sheriff, um, the whole time we were together, the whole time she was with Joey, you were in love with her. And it's like, well, lady. Yeah, it's like, were you 15? Like, Yeah, that was like at least 20 years ago. You have a teenage daughter now. Yeah, with an entirely different man than the person you're talking to right now. Yeah, and none of these people feel young. They all feel <laughs> you like they're in their mid to late 30s. Like these don't feel like people who are teen parents who are now like in yeah. their late 20s and they have a 15-year-old daughter. It's like, no, they all feel like they're... 37 to 43 still arguing about shit from high school. They are still arguing. They've been having the same arguments yeah. for fucking ever. And I did love the moment where like after Nikki punches teen girl's mom, the doctor yeah. is like, I have been watching you guys sort through this bullshit for years. Be quiet. All of yes. you. And they all listen to him because he's right. Because he's right. And also he was probably their pediatrician. Oh, oh, definitely. Most Definitely. Yeah, no, I loved I loved everything that Doc did. Every yeah. time Doc appeared. I also liked at the end when Maggie runs off the boat and 
somebody says we can't, and I don't know if he says we can't leave without Maggie or if someone else says we can't leave without Maggie and someone else replies, yeah, we can. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the doc, it's Doc who says, yeah, we can. Poor Maggie. Like, I get, like, she's, she's an awful disaster teen. I get why she's awful. Nobody loved Maggie. <laughs> No one loved Maggie. Nobody, it's true. Nobody prioritized Maggie. Maggie's on her own. She's a teen who's been emotionally neglected. Like, yeah, I'd act out too. I would be that awful too. Like, Matt, everyone is Maggie gets left behind at so many points oh, with like multiple points. Somebody movie. who is like her parent or caretaker being like, we'll come back for you. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving her in peril. <laughs> It's so bad. When she gets locked in, when she gets locked in the cell and then she just yeah. has to watch multiple adults around her die. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Enjoy, Maggie. You're not going to be traumatized by this at all. She did almost get the the unexpected benefit of the snake's almost parent trapped her parents back into yeah, a relationship they, again. Yeah. This movie throws a curveball at you because it kills both of the side pieces of her parents and you're like, oh, wow, they just got disastered back together. And then you like mom is definitely going to die. And then you you presume both of her parents were like trapped in this like vehicle where the snakes got in. And you're like, oh, man, they brought her parents back together just so she could get disaster orphaned. And then there's that whole speech about like we've all lost someone we love. And then her dad miraculously fucking shows up. And so dad's back and it's like, oh, man, she got her dad back. They they totally tricked us on that one. But then the corporate thug who killed scientists in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. He's on the island to like he's pretend they're pretending like they're there to save people, but they're not. They're, they're just there to sedate snakes and take samples back with them. And the like security guy who's with the corporate thug accidentally shoots yeah. her dad in the chest in a skirmish. So then she gets orphaned again. Yeah. The unexpected gun death yeah. really. Yeah, I was I was not planning on anybody dying by anything other than snake <laughs> no, attack. No, not at all. And so for the dad to randomly just take one in the chest and then bleed out on the floor while like that was Cal so performs surprising. CPR, very, very much caught me off guard. Yeah, and again, you know, and this girl, like, she's, she just was dealing with, like, the acute, immediate trauma of losing her parents, and then she got one back, and then she just lost him again. So yeah. Maggie had... The worst day of probably anyone. Oh, Maggie! Maggie absolutely had the worst day ever. But the good <laughs> news is, is that by the end of it, Tara Reed has a Maggie. Yeah, because obviously Maggie gets adopted at the end, apparently by Tara Reed. Yeah, she very much, she very much uh, inherits a disaster movie child. Tara yeah. Reed does, as they must, as 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 is the duty bound like mandate for eligible single people or like yeah. childless parents in a disaster movie they take in the orphans you get the child so she becomes child. that's just it's just the default that's how it works so in yep. a disaster scenario is yep. you get whatever whatever children are left it's a free-for-all yeah <laughs> and you get sort of like it's like ducklings where they just bond to you oh yeah just imprinting yeah so the imprint tara reed ends up it, with it's with like a, how, with a disaster child. It's like how Gabby Hoffman just basically almost ends up with a toddler in Volcano. Just right. Like, 
oh well, she's a I young mean, woman, so we don't know that. I assume that at that point, Tommy, that child does become Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Hayes' child. Like that's just the rule because they can't yeah. find Tommy's mom again. No, come on, again. No. That was not an organized system. No, not at all. That and was they all chaos. The, he couldn't tell who his mom was because they all looked the same because they're all covered in dust. Yeah, because they were post race because of the right. volcano. And and the blonde child obviously needed to be able to figure out which race his mother was. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a absolutely. real question there. It's but a yeah, real so, question. So Maggie joins the legion of disaster teens who just kind of get adopted <laughs> at the end. So many of them. There's so every disaster movie, I have to assume at this point, like if there's a child who has a parent, odds are it's going to end up being that parent's going to die and it's that child is going to be the custody of the disaster movie hero. I think it's my favorite trope that we have teased out. Because yeah. like it's not it, it's not one that I had thought about before. Because you obviously like you know outrunning a disaster, like we think of that kind of stuff. But this one I have only realized over the course of doing this show, and it's one of my favorite things we Same. have no, come upon. I I never realized it, and like have, I've watched that movie so many times. I watched Volcano, God, hundred times. Yes, and it's never occurred to me before until we started to really go into this and realize, like, no, there's this pattern. Yeah. And that's just what it is. And it's because the, the like alternative the, is that the child is turned over as a ward of the state. And yeah. that's such a dark option for this <laughs> yeah. child who has undergone, like, imagine being like, there, it's imagine having going for me, like, I have an additional trauma of my parents dying, but here's how they died. Yeah. Well, one died by being attacked in an ice cream truck by a venomous, uh, by a viper snake. Yeah. And then my dad. By a genetically trying- enhanced snake. Snake. Yeah. And then, um, and that was after she said, this child will be the death of me. Yep. Yep. Um, and she wouldn't have been in the truck if not for the fact that I was not somewhere safe. And then my dad died by being shot in the chest while trying to break us all out of this secured house. Yeah. And to try and like escape to the docks. And so, and my dad wasn't listening and went all like, QAnon angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, took one from a mysterious, like, not government employee. Yeah. Very much, very much a corporate mercenary. And yeah. it really, like, it, it adds to the standout factor. It really gives a standout factor to those who wish me dead with Angelina Jolie at the end of it being like, we'll stay in touch, kid. Like, she's yeah. not adopting that disaster baby. No. No. God, can you imagine her having to, like, that she has to explain that to when CPS comes up and is like, so you'll take the child, yes? And she's like, absolutely not the hell I take this child. No, give it to her. Yeah. Give it to, give it to the widow over there. She's got a baby. (laughs) She'll take more. Give it to the mountain widow. She obviously wants children. Look at her. Look at that. Yeah. She has, she's not going to have any more. Her husband just died. Give her the spare one. Yeah. I'm wearing a lace bra to the fire apocalypse. I can't possibly take this child. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you see? (laughs) Look, you don't have bangs like that and aviator sunglasses like that and take on disaster children. No, you don't. You are really, yeah. You're a woman on the hunt. That's that's your priority. You live on the edge. You're a a woman who invites danger. When I was in Montana, when I was in Montana, this uh, like over the past week, I definitely was like, man, I should have serious bangs and aviator sunglasses to fit in. Like, this is what I need. I need to become a fire jumper. Become a fire jumper. That's just the kind of badass I could be. And I was like, absolutely not. I could not be that kind of. Yeah. I could not be. I could not wear a white lace bra 
anywhere, let alone into the woods for camping. Yeah, and I doubt living. you were wearing a white lace bra to go excavate dinosaur bones, no. let alone like fight fires. No, but neither was Ellie Sattler. Like let's like Ellie yeah. Sattler did not. She wore something practical, just much like Helen Hunt wore, wore a practical sports bra. You're exactly right. And I did dress like Ellie Sattler one day, and that was only a little embarrassing. I mean, but God, what a better – there's like – you I have to do, do the cosplay. You have it. to do it. I would and do I it specifically to dress like Ellie Sattler. Yeah. No, I was so excited just to be like, I'm wearing my Ellie Sattler gear, and I'm going to find dinosaur bones, and then I found dinosaur bones. It's it was, amazing. I didn't find Alan Grant, but that's okay. <laughs> But back back on anyway, our, sorry, back yeah, on our so island. Disaster children, terrible disaster children get adopted, and Maggie is going to be Tara Reed's child now. Uh, <laughs> I love that when the snakes get like gassed and like fire extinguisher, they make like a strange noise. Like all the, the noise is the snakes growled. Let's yeah, the snakes the- growled in this movie. Yeah. And then they made like pig squeals uh-huh. when they got when they got attacked. It and was then they would like very random. Yeah. And when you think of snake noises. Hissing is a big one. Yeah. Even like they didn't have to do vipers. They could have done rattlesnakes yeah, and had a really cool effect of like, oh, we hear the rattle, but we don't know where it's coming yeah, from. And then they come out. Yeah. Like could have done that. No, it was vipers that growling and squealing. Yeah. No, they made like full lion noises at one point. And I was like, okay. Yeah, when they were in distress, there was a whole different animal profile coming out of them sonically. Yeah, but I, which I took no issues with. I no, that was fine. I was happy for the hyperverbal vipers. Yeah, the hyper hyperverbal. They they generate a lot of venom, and they are they are also hyperverbal. Yeah. Um. And what the what our townspeople real our village or village people our islanders 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 realize uh, after because the the security the corporate mercenary who kills the girl's dad regretfully he it like realizes that he's on the wrong side of the law here and he's like uh actually we didn't come to save you we came to rescue some snakes and what's going to happen is actually we were supposed to get out of here with some snake specimens and then this island was going to get gassed and everything on it was going to die basically so then they how many people actually live to the end of this like it feels like the entire fucking island dies but yeah. then at the end of it things seem very end of it things seem normal okay i mean I think a good chunk of the island dies, and it looks like about 15 people end up on that boat escaping. Yeah, okay, okay. And then plus you've got Maggie, Cal, and Tara Reed. So uh-huh. let's be generous and say 20. That yeah. island only had probably, what, 50, 100 people on it? Yeah, there. that's like a population 100 kind of situation at okay. most. So a fifth of the town lived. Pretty good odds. I mean, better than better than in the B movie, better in, than in yeah. the swarm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The B movie. What if we covered B movie? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's. A, I mean, hey, if a if a very if a guest makes a very compelling case, maybe yeah. we'll end up doing the B movie. We can. I. We're. I, I. Oh my gosh! I forgot to mention. By the way, like as we record this tomorrow is the Disaster Girls. Oh, no, I take that back. As we record this, Saturday the 14th is the anniversary of our first episode. Oh, my God. Crawl. Yeah. No, uh, Volcano. Volcano. That's right. That's right. Crawl yeah, we released two, right? Yeah, we did Volcano. We did Crawl and we did Mega Fault. All three kind of like right at the same time. Yeah. What so, a time. So when we talk, so as we go into our third year, maybe it's the year of B-movie. 
you know, we have to keep the people on their toes. We have to yeah. we have to keep our imaginations lively. So we can do some considering of B movie. This was What's very the much deal with our podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yeah. But th- so a fifth of the town survived. Pretty good numbers, all things considered. Like given that there was there was probably like one snake for every five people. Yeah, considering how hopeless it looked, like yeah, yeah. that's that they honestly could have been worse. Yeah. And so they they did, many of the townspeople escaped and they didn't get, the island didn't get bombed. So like, yeah, they managed to call off, good. they managed to call off the, the airstrike basically mm-hmm. at the last second. And so the, everybody remaining is not wiped out. And, you know, and then we see, you know, Cal and Nikki finally united in their love mm-hmm. for Joey uh, getting together. Yeah. And more importantly, we get a great Cruel Intention style ending. Yes. The ending of this, very well handled. It very was so satisfying. good. It was very satisfying. It was very Cruel Intentions. They had had like a radio call. The bad guy had had a radio call to the head of corporate. Yeah. And Cal had recorded it. And so then the head of corporate is like giving a lecture to the, or is, is talking to all of the investors. Yeah, he's about like, like this Back in that, yeah, and that investors hall again, just yeah, like investor the symposium thing, and he's and then all of a sudden the thing starts playing over the loudspeakers of the audio call. I of him love being that. Like, Kill I love that all. in anything that comes mm-hmm. up in a like sabotage the loudspeakers and yeah. out the bad guy. I love it. Oh yeah, and then when he gets he gets perp walked out, and the whole time I was just like, man, this is. I just want bittersweet symphony to play in the background. Yes, yeah. yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and then, then well, and, yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. And then after he gets questioned, we get the potential setup for a sequel, which we did not get and, and I feel deprived of. And we get snake justice yeah. because Corbin gets in a limousine, corporate evil man Corbin gets in a limousine and presumably, I'm going to say somebody else from the company wanted to tie up a loose end. Okay, so I like that. So they put the snake in the limo with Corbin because he dies getting snake attacked. Yeah, And like it's blood, it's splattering everywhere. And I kind of thought, I was like, I think this is an inside job. And Ooh, like, I like they, they, he can't, he can't go to trial and spill what he knows. So they need to kill him. Yeah, that makes sense. That also explains how a snake got in the limo in the first place is it must be like a corp, an inside job because the snakes were not near the corporate headquarters. No, no, that the, I, I, I think they were still. I mean, obviously, they swam to the islands. So they're not necessarily island bound, but like they they end up very conveniently in the limo with Corbin, and I think mm-hmm. that that is uh, karma. I think that that is uh, corporate capitalism justice in addition to snake justice. Uh, that we get like blood spraying up against the like the like partition glass and everything, and it was it was a very it was the ending we absolutely did not get out of Eve of Destruction. Yeah, yeah, good Wherein call. Treat Williams just fucking gets away with everything. Yeah, no, where he just drives off with his side piece. Yeah. And he should have, there should have been a snake in that car too. To Mumbai. And yeah. just like, well, okay, sorry, everybody. No, it was a very satisfying loose end to tie up. I, I did appreciate that. And I liked that it did set us up as the potential. I was like, that was optimistic, you guys. Yeah. That was, that was sweet that you thought that you could get a second <laughs> Vipers too. I, I wish that you could have gotten that. Well, and you know, that's just, I feel like that's Tara Reid with the training wheels on before the Sharknado Empire jumps yeah, off. That's like, true. It, 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 was, it wasn't that, it wasn't quite there yet. It was coming, it was coming yeah. for Tara, but it wasn't quite there yet. 
I, dude, I, I went and looked at her IMDb afterward, and she has so much in the pipeline. Really? Like, good for her, Tara What kind Reed. of titles? Oh, well, let me give you some. I'm glad you asked. Let me pull that back up. <laughs> yeah, I, what, what's Tara got coming up on that horizon? Mummy Dearest, spelled M-U-M-M-Y. Great start. Uh, let's see. Attraction to Paris, which looks like sort of a thriller. Ooh. Baby Bulldog. Uh, she is smiling with Dean Kane. This is 2020. Oh, okay. She's smiling with Dean Kane, holding a dog that is not a bulldog. Uh, the Wrong Cheerleader Coach. Lifetime. It's called The Wrong Cheerleader Coach. Yes. That's literal. Yeah. Attack of the Unknown. Uh, Fifth Borough. Second Chance for Christmas. Okay. American I'm interested Christmas. in all of these things. I'm interested. I, yeah. I think the, all of these things sound right. Oh, you know what? Those are all the ones that are, have been created. Hold on. I wanted, I was like, this seems weird. Let me get you to the upcoming. <laughs> Sally, Flo- Sally Floss, Digital Detective. Oh, amazing. In production currently, The Curse of the Zombie Pirates. Bloodthirst, in which she plays Vampire Queen. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Dogmen, in which she plays a character named Lucky. Okay. The Prophecy of Troy. She plays Queen Hecuba of Troy. Hecuba. Wow. Uh-huh. The Faction of a Hitman. Melissa. Supersonic. She plays a character named Sister Francis. God, I hope she's a nun. I hope she's in a habit and everything. Mayday Z. First Lady Jill Fitzgerald. <laughs> uh, let's see. Dr. Quarantine. She plays Dr. Jackie Ainsley. She is busy. Oh, I'm not even reading all of the movies she's got going. Whoa! Aquatic Siege. I Ravenous. Hope tactical gear. Ravenous. I don't know what that is. Okay. Insecurity. Mm. Ghost Killer. I mean, she's busy. She is working. Wow. Yeah, like yeah. Tara has no time off. Yeah, no. Good for good for her. That's amazing. I mean, I'm <laughs> thrilled for the Terrasons. Yeah. I mean, God, I'm looking at one right now. It's called Cranial Sacra Colon Coma. Oh, yeah. I skipped that one because I was like, that sounds like a, a ID discovery sort of like <laughs> reproduction of something. I didn't, I, I don't even know what <laughs> Cranial Sacra, I don't even know what that is. That's not a movie title, but I'm thrilled for her. I hope that it is horror because if it is, I'm going to be thrilled. I mean, and she did Mummy is, Dearest, which it is sounds directed like by. Know that Cranial Sacral is directed by someone named White Cross. No, that's that's a hate symbol. <laughs> that's not a name. Man, this is a treasure trove. This is the Terror Reed Hour. I'm glad we went. I'm glad we went on this road. On a new podcast, just Terror Reed movies. I mean, we would have a bounty There's of so material. Many Mummy Dearest. <laughs> Money dearest. After an injury puts Scarlett Healy in a wheelchair, she moves in with her daughter, Autumn, who just moved into a creepy old house with her boyfriend, Frank. Mm. There's one condition to the arrangement. Scarlett cannot interfere with Autumn's relationship and find something wrong with Autumn's new boyfriend as she has a habit of doing. Where does the mummy come into play here? Yeah, this is really. Yeah, is this like a, is this like a, this is a surprise mummy? I don't know. Something like. Scarlet quickly finds horror in her new living arrangement as she starts seeing a ghostly figure and receives a warning from a strange neighbor, Quentin Jonesboro, to get out of the house. Is the house haunted or are her medications causing hallucinations? Whoa! Should Scarlet heed his warnings or is his is her neighbor crazy? Oh, wait. Hold on. 
Frank suffers from intense pain in his hands that is taking away his ability to play the piano, which is his passion and livelihood. Scarlet employs a special form of massage therapy, cranial sacral. Oh, oh. Okay. to find the source of Frank's pain and release it. But whatever spirit lingers in the house increases the therapy's intensity, whirling Scarlet into Frank's memories with each therapy stage session. There is still no where give I why are there no mummies? And the same it should be noted the screenwriter uh, for Cranial Sacral, Dr. Quarantine, and Mummy Dearest, all the same guy. His okay. name is Jared Vineyard. So these are Jared Vineyard productions. I just want to know why there's – what is the mummy? Why is there no mummy? This really bothers me. I mean, this is – I guess we have to watch to find I the mummy. I guess so. But what's really weird is that – so Tara Reid is, is listed at the top. Tara Reid is on as one of the two names on the thing. Tara Reid, it looks like, is just like a woman that Frank might have murdered in the oh, past okay. that she sees in the memories. So Tara Reid is not the main character, which feels confusing. Well, and apparently White Cross has also directed multiple movies with her, and one of them being Masha's Mushroom. Oh, which- I saw that too. That's one of the, the in-productions. C- co-stars... Vivica A. Fox, Beverly D'Angelo, and <gasps> horror icon Bonnie Ahrens. I remember hearing about this on um, Who Weekly that they mentioned Masha's much- Mushrooms at one point, that Tara <laughs> Reid was doing it. I mean, I clearly, I need to see this. This is a lights out cast. So folks, stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have more Tara Reid for you content in the future. Um, but in the meantime, does that mean we feel ready? I feel to- like we've covered, I think we've covered just about everything. We should probably go to what is this really about? Because otherwise it's just the rest of this podcast is going to be nothing <laughs> yes. but Tara Reid filmography. Yes. Yeah, synopses. <laughs> um, well, the, we will, we will get to that after a word from our sponsors that you, you know them, you love them. And folks, do you love movies? The good ones, even the bad ones, everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki might be the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts, saluting the brave of us who go to the movies by ourselves, to comfy sweatshirts and aprons commemorating historic events like the night Florence Pugh made marmalade. They even carry enamel pins of some of your favorite directors like Hayao Miyazaki and Guillermo del Toro. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to your favorite movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks, and they ship using compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code DISASTERDIVA, that is all caps with no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. Let's watch more movies. Let's watch more movies and let's talk about what the movie Vipers is really about. Yeah, I think that in this movie, um, this was a movie that was a very full metaphor for the dangers of uh, living in your hometown your whole life. And never yeah. moving beyond, and never moving beyond. I think that the Vipers were metaphors for all of the past and all of the traumas that they'd mm-hmm. all carried forward, and all the resentments. And those things became over time supercharged. You know, yeah. Instead they of your were, ghosts in your closet, your skeletons in your closet, they're yeah. your snakes on your island. 
Exactly. And so I think, so those resentments, they all just, all of that history just kept building up and kept getting super powered and filling with venom. And that is, and that is uh, a lesson of why you need to let some of that go. If you can't leave your, your small town, you need to move on mentally, if not physically. Yeah. You need to find a way to, you need to find a way to progress, to move forward. Yeah, I would say that, like, in a sense, we're all in our own small islands that we can't escape from. That's true. And what we have to do is we have to find a way to blow up the greenhouse shed full of vipers and those vipers. The greenhouse shed, of course, being, like, our inner self and the vipers being, like, our grudges that we're holding on to. And that's the only way you can move forward happily, healthily, um, and find love with Tara Reid, who also was in love with your ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I think just building off of that, I think this island is like, it's like this island is purgatory. Okay. And, and they're all, they're all trapped there. Yeah. And they, they are, they are the righteous dead awaiting judgment on their spirits. Ooh, and, okay. and these, these vipers are, are like a final test are like a final demon sent from hell to, to terrorize the dead and, and and really maybe be a form of judgment. Those who are consumed by the snakes are damned. Those mm. those who do not sort of pass the test in purgatory, they're, you know, sorry, it's it's damnation. But then like our precious few manage to survive to the end. And perhaps it is perhaps it's like a, a positive afterlife that they earn. And but this yeah. this place this island exists. It's why you can't get off. Mm-hmm. It's why it's it's why it's it's difficult logistically to go in and out of the island because you need like the fucking ferryman to take you to and fro. And we're talking oh. about crossing plane, dimensional yeah, planes. Yeah, you need here. you need to be cro- crossing the river Styx. Sure. Yeah, basically, like if you asked any of these people about the outside world, they it would be like, "What dreams may come?" Like they they kind of know it exists in abstract, but they can't really talk about it because it's not really real to them anymore. So this is just like their entire existence. I like that. So that's where I'm at with it. Oh, I like that very much. Okay, yeah. So we've got, which makes sense because like all of the parents who are having affairs and cheating on each other, they're all, they all die and all the side pieces die. Yeah, yeah. And Tara Reid, Tara Reid, who is doing something good by growing marijuana because she's growing it. Because she was growing it to help her neighbor who has chemo. She is. She never really is threatened by a snake. She does not no, interact no. with the snakes at all, except no, for that really. one. Except from the beginning, when the snake she finds the garden snake, and she's like, "Oh, you're just a cute little baby," and she kisses it, which I was like, "That's a weird thing," but I love it for her. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah she like the sin eaters cannot come for her because she is yep. sinless. She is. She is. She is like the only one who's sort of at peace in this location. Interesting. I like it. Okay. Cool. Jordan, would you fantasy cast this at all? You know, I'm going to keep Tara. I want to keep Tara in place. And I liked I liked the guy who played Cal. So I would yeah. keep him. Don S. Davis stays. I'm going to make the teen. I'm going to make the teen. Um, I'm going to make the teen's dad. Mm-hmm. Like Gabriel mocked. Okay. Because he's he's large and that guy's large. And I feel like he would be. I kind of wanted him to. I feel like he would have more of that handsome dirtbag energy yeah. that I want from this character that like clearly sucks, but would just be like really oozing charisma while it was happening. I like that. Okay. I I don't know that I would change because like 
I did like Tara so much. Yeah, I did too. I and I like you know. I, I mean, obviously she's not hurting for work, but I'm like it whenever Tara. Yeah, gets clearly a job. she's not. Yeah, so I I can't replace Tara. I thought that she and Cal were fine. I did feel like they're playing past each other and never speaking directly to each other, which was an odd choice, but like, fine, I don't care. And then otherwise, like, it was a fine cast. I liked Brownie. I was sad when Brownie died. Yeah, that one bummed me out. I liked Brownie. I liked Brownie. I liked, and but he went out, at least he went out, like, knowing he was going to go out. Yeah. Which where he's like, has that oh shit moment, which I did appreciate. Yeah. Versus like, I'm glad he got that. Yeah, and he got to like sharpshoot a couple of a snakes first, so I did appreciate that. But yeah, I, I it's a tough one, partly because the movie. I actually am going to be pretty high on this movie. Okay, um, but the cast was just on par with what it needed to be. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make mom. I'm gonna make that character like better, and mom's gonna live, and it's gonna be Charisma Carpenter. Okay, love it. Never, never sad to see charisma in something. Yeah, I'll make mom charisma carpenter sure. and get like, like, shit heel Gabriel Mock will eat it, but charisma carpenter is going to make it through to the end. Okay, cool. Love it. Love that for her. Love that for her. Does she come around and like apologizes to Tara Reed and they find sort of like a happy medium between the yeah, two of them? And definitely. They, they co parent the child. Now is survivors. Yeah, maybe they co parent. Maybe they co parent okay. Maggie in like a communal community, you know, takes a village kind of way. Great. I think that's fair. I think that's a good I think that's a good addition. Christmas never a bad one. Yeah. No. We we root for her here. She friend we, of the show Carla Carpenter. One day. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to cast her in my disaster movie. <laughs> and yeah, so that like you're you're keeping it pretty locked. Yeah, I'm going to keep it locked in. I just there was no one that I really was like I need to change this cast member and there was nothing that I think could be elevated by changing it either. Okay, good. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to say, for a disaster movie, for a made for, this was no earth catastrophe. I mean, that's the you movies are. Movies are. It sets such a bar. But for a short one, it was 90 minutes. Yep. It moved quickly. We got a good density of snakes. We yes, got a good so density of snake death. And when they didn't want to show snakes, they found a clever way to not show the snakes. I'm giving it 3.5 towering infernos. You know what? I like that. And I'm going to say same. I'm going to match that. That feels right. like this movie, this movie s- executed within its constraints very effectively. Yes. I'm with it. Yes. All right. 3.5 Towering Infernos. Way to go. Way to go, Vipers. Too bad we didn't get a second one, Vipers. I know. Well, maybe there's time. Maybe we can revisit now that like Maggie isn't a terrible disaster teen anymore. She's just like a traumatized adult. Yeah, she's yeah, she's just deeply, deeply unwell as an yeah. adult. And then the vipers can come back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and then the S can be a number two. We would be foolish to count the vipers out. So I think this sounds yeah. right. I like this plan. So that comes up to next week, uh, where we'll be watching San Andreas Quake from 2015. When a discredited LA seismologist warns of an impending 12.7 earthquake, no one takes her seriously. Now on her own, she races desperately to get her family to safety before the earthquake breaks Los Angeles apart from the mainland. Because that is absolutely a thing that cannot happen, but I can't wait to see them say it can. Yeah, that sounds exactly like that sounds exactly like what we are gathered here to discuss. Yes. And so most importantly, most notably in this cast, we have some <laughs> disaster nepotism. Yeah, this is uh, this is a real legacy here. We've got Grace Van Deen. 
starring. Yeah. What this. do you know that name, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, our with our our Lord and Savior Casper. <laughs> yes. So that is exciting. That is an exciting update for us. Is that we'll be getting to see a second generation disaster child um, in San Andreas Quake, and that is available um, on Amazon, iTunes, Vudu, and Google Play Movies. That probably means we should soon do the second 47 meters down because it has Sistine Stallone. Oh my gosh. We should we should probably we should probably continue disaster nepotism and yes. Sistine Stallone's disaster movie. I I didn't even realize and that she was in that. And yes, yep. we absolutely do. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Fantastic. Well, I'm thrilled. So that's what we'll be doing for next week. Excellent. Also, related but unrelated, just to go through someone else's filmography again, uh, apparently Grace Van Dien, it was in a Vince Vaughn film called The Binge, where the, the, binge. Premise, the, uh, the premise is it's The Purge, but with binge drinking. Oh in my the not-so-different future, all drinking and drugs have been made completely illegal by the government except for one night a year. High school seniors Griffin, Hags, and Andrew make a pilgrimage to get to their best party in town where all their dreams will come true. They will have to avoid their crazed principal, violent siblings, and the wild animals roaming the streets. So, you know. What? I don't know, man. So we aren't tackling that one. The crazed principal, by the way, is, is again, Vince Vaughn in this film. But this is this post-apocalyptic? So does that make it a disaster movie? I mean, is it an apocalypse where in the not so distant future all binge drink, all drinking and drugs are illegal? Is that a disaster? I don't know. I couldn't tell if it was talking about like it was the end of the world or something. No, I think it's just like the concept is the purge, but if it's only thing that we can't have is alcohol. Okay. Well, so, okay. I mean, again, if we can do bin- if we can do B movie, we can also probably right. do the binge. Yeah, we'll see. This will if we do this one, it'll come after B movie after we've yeah. broken that seal. I mean, okay. I assume that a disaster does happen at some point as a result of everyone getting all of their drinking and drugging out in one night. And it does, say, <laughs> and they do say that there are wild animals on the street. Which yeah, by that was what own- pushed me to the to the conclusion. I mean, I don't know why. The, the wild animals might just be like someone got drunk and released a lion from the zoo, though. Yeah, that's very like, true. Or it could be like a, a a Mike Tyson has a tiger in the hangover sort of thing. <laughs> it's a man-made yeah, okay, disaster. Right. Yeah, but it's it that doesn't mean it doesn't qualify under the banner we have established. So I'm not not in. But for now, we're doing San Andreas Quake. Okay, yeah. It's San Andreas Quake, ladies and gentlemen, next week. And then eventually at some point, we'll do the binge. Okay. San Andreas Quake it is. All right. But until then, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcrew, J-O-R-C-R-U. And then, of course, the Ots Tyrion pod is back. And the uh, whole movie podcast Neon Demon Edition is off and running. So keep listening to me talking. All right. And Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Halftones and, uh, I don't know, find more podcasts at thatmightbecool.com. Yeah, definitely find more podcasts at thatmightbecool.com. Absolutely. How's Lord of the Rings sentence going? You know, it's going well. His, uh, you know, the, the sentence is still in effect and, uh, he is, he's going through every single sentence, uh, one sentence at a time, of course, and has yet to, uh, miss of a course. week. Wow. Of course. 
Um, I, you know, I, I had to go in recently, you'll find an episode recently where I had to kind of do a performance review, um, and, and see sort of what kind of progress he was making and, and how progressive I felt the show to be. Um, so you can, you can go check that out. You can was find he, that ha- Is he past the first page yet? Uh, I believe, I believe he's on the second page. Yes. Wow. I, I, ca- I, I'd have to refresh my memory, but yeah. Okay. Wow. So we're getting there. You know, it's making some progress. I, I wish it was going a little faster, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it sounds to, me like he needs, it sounds to me like he needs to do more than once a week, Jason. Uh, you know what? That's what it sounded like to me, too. And I, I kind of, you know, we, we I proposed some things on that episode to sort of try and solve for uh, mm. the time problem that we no one could have anticipated. You know what I mean? Like Unexpected. Yeah. Scheduling, scheduling gets away from you. You know, that's the thing that's tricky with these sorts of things. It's true. It's like, you know, you think it's going to be so quick to go through Lord of the Rings one sentence at one a time every at a week. Time, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that's going to be a very quick thing. And then suddenly, you know, you're, you're weeks suddenly. and weeks later. And it's but only also, like we are living in a disaster state that was unexpected. I don't think anyone could have anticipated that the Lord of the Rings sentence podcast might not have the full run of until the heat death of the earth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Heat like, death. Heat death seemed reasonable. Yep. Climate change was an unexpected sort of like wrench in the works on that. Very he unexpected. Had, yeah. He had till till heat death. And now suddenly it's like, well, actually, between the pandemic and, you know, climate change we've only got another 15 years so totally yeah so so if, if you want to hear chad you know try and work out sort of how he's gonna you know get pick up the pace and 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 figure this stuff pick out up then the pace. yeah you can you can listen on the show and he's sort of you know going on that adventure uh on air right and because of course if he doesn't complete it you get all his stuff i get all of his stuff which is the ah, legal agreement I we see, came to I see, um yeah, yeah the, the, the the technical wording is that i get all of his stuff if he doesn't finish <laughs> yeah. it so yeah it's a good reasonable. it's a good time very reasonable well, well, and so you can find me. I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter. Um, and that is where I am. I, and then you can also always follow us. We're Disaster Girls on Twitter. We're DisasterGirlsPod at gmail.com. And guys, please rate and review us. Take a couple seconds and give us that five-star rating. Give us that three-word review. It's all we want. It's all we need. It's what I live for personally. It's all we need. It is it, all we need. I am extremely approval-driven, so Yes. Like it is one of my great one of my great flaws in life is how desperately I need the approval of others. So guys, please rate and review us so yeah, I can stop, feel stop holding out on Amanda, you guys. Please. It's please very stop. rude. It's really like I've done a lot of therapy to try and fix this and <laughs> you're all undoing it. So Yeah. It's all everybody's fault. So yep. fuck you guys. So Unless rate you review. are rating and reviewing, then thank you. Yeah. In which case, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we'll see y'all back next week for San Andreas Quake. Bye, everybody. everybody. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>